just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky. I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess... Perkins. Oh. Forgot your last name there. I was going to say, we've been doing this for a long time now and friends for even longer. Forgot my name. Was thinking of going middle name, but then I realised I hadn't given one to Matt, so bailed on it okay. pretty late. Fair enough. Sorry about and that. And if you have, if you go Jess, then you can't say middle name. That just seems weird. You've got to go Jessica, and I don't like that. Oh, yeah, okay. I can see where you went wrong. I'm sorry for jumping to conclusions. We can go. We can start again. Yeah. <laughs> we really can. Start fresh. Uh, it's good to be back in the pod studio. Uh, I'm back from overseas. I went to Mexico and Cuba. That was a good time. Yeah, I wonder if the listeners uh, could tell, they could hear any of those um, trumpets in the background. <laughs> from the last few weeks. From the last few weeks. When I was recording on location. Yeah, every, when, when, I demanded to be on a beach every time. You yeah. were phoning it in. Which was weird because we were like, Dave, there's actually a better connection from the hotel. And you're no, like, no. no. <laughs> from the beach. The beach is calling. Matt's been in Perth as well, and I've been holding on the beach, holding down the fort in Melbourne on, on the, the beach. beach. <laughs> I reckon I'd be surprised if you had more burritos in Mexico than I did in Perth. <laughs> really, I had zero burritos in Mexico. Lots of tacos. All about the tacos. There was one, one day I had two burritos in the one day. You said it like it's a bad thing. No, I, I, I certainly didn't intend it that way. I'm. They were different burritos. I have uh, when I was in. Italy, I ate pizza at least twice a day mm. and gelato 
also at least once. Well, yeah, you. I mean, you getting pizza in Italy is very similar to me getting burritos in Perth. Exactly. It's like winning. It's the culture. Yeah. I mean, uh, it'd be offensive to say no. Yeah, you simply must. I, I, I wasn't going into shops and asking. People were offering, walking down the street, as is Perth culture. Mm. They go, burrito, sir. And what do you say? I've already had one. I've already had one. Can but you say that? No. Not in not in Perth culture. No. That's a slap in the face. So offensive. Mm. You simply mustn't. You simply mustn't. And that is why Perth is the greatest Australian city. Yep. 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 Burritos with every every yep. every meal. Guilt free burritos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did the right thing. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Glad someone gets it. But it, it is good to be back. It is good to be back in the pod studio. Jess has already commented on my tan. Thank you. Yeah, you're looking great. From all those beach recordings. You're glowing. We're, we've both been on the beach and we both um, look, yeah. Much the same. Much to be honest. Somehow I look paler. Yeah, I don't know how you did it. Mm. Well done. Thank you. Sun smart. SPF right. 100. And 50. Oh. <laughs> what I did was basically not going out uh, until the sun went down. Yeah, okay. All right. That's clever. They have daylight savings over there. No, so it's three hours different. I'm genuinely um, the thing that makes you feel tired when you travel. Jet lag. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, where I came from had was 17 hours behind. And? I feel fucking great. <laughs> That's almost far enough around that you're back to where you started, though. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, no, that's... Can't fault that logic. <laughs> yeah, that's how time works. That is <laughs> definitely how time works. If you stay awake for 24 hours, you just reset. Yeah. That's what I find when I do those uh, late night radio gigs. I'm awake for 24 hours. Yeah, you're tired, just... tired, tired. It hits 24 and you go, I'm Bang. great. I'm good, baby. Let's keep going. It's Matt's turn to report on a topic that's been suggested by one of the listeners. And I, I wrote a question. I wrote it at the very beginning. This is the question. It might be a little bit contentious. Let's see. Let's find out. Okay. It's exciting. What singer is defined by a colour more than any other? Shakira. Pink. Yeah, pink. See, the pink. I, I thought there was trouble with pink. Why? <laughs> well, I'm like. That is prob- that probably okay. is a good answer. But it's not the correct answer. No, Green Prince. Prince is the other good one. Yeah, purple, Fuck. right? No, but I also thought Prince and I Now I understand why it's contentious. So the colour. Hmm. Give you one more guess each and then we'll crack on. Uh, Eiffel sixty five, I'm blue double D double die. I <laughs> second that answer. Uh no, that's you did I, I wrote down a few that I, I thought of as well. I, I put Green down, Day. I put Prince, Pink, uh, Eiffel 65. <laughs> I can't believe you thought of that. We too. spent too much time together. Yeah. Um, Coldplay, Yellow. But it is Michael Jackson. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. The Man in Black. Black, okay. Oh, the... awesome. I like Johnny Cash. You I won't like by his... the end of this. I All like... right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one where we ruin people's heroes. No, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, as in. I like when I say I like Johnny Cash. Jess is already backpedaling because yeah. she knows what's going to come now. Well, because I've seen Walk the Line. Yeah, I mean know? it's yeah. You'll, you is it called Walk the Line? Yep. Yeah. Yes. I think, and that I mean that. And pro- I've seen Dewey Cox. Dewey Cox. Yeah. Walk hard. Walk, Walk hard. hard. Thank you. That's funny. Fuck, that's a funny movie. It's so stupid. Uh, so the man in black, I didn't know he was called the man in black. Yeah. All oh, right. We had a song called the man in black, and he's just famously. Nearly always wore black through his career. And I think he said he did that because it was easy to clean. Yeah. But it was also like it all came into his bad boy image. Doesn't show up sweat marks either. 
Real smart. That's so smart. smart. Really, if you, it's slimming. If you want a bad boy image, you wear all white and you keep the blood stains. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Andrew WK. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dave, what, who's blood? Uh, anyone's. He's just a bad, bad boy. Wow. Okay. He's, any blood that people didn't want to give. He's not at the blood bank taking people's <gasps> blood because that would be make him a good boy. <laughs> he is not into that. That would make him a good boy. Good, good boy, Johnny. <laughs> I don't know what that sound was that came out of my mouth, but anyway. Is there any anything you guys know that you want to? I just remember we've we've mentioned Johnny before on the uh, Elvis Presley episode, the Million Dollar Quartet. Yes, I I didn't go into that because we've covered it before, but do which I wasn't there for. Oh, Meso was reporting. That's right. Yeah, no, he wasn't reporting. He was guesting. It was was just a famous moment that um, was where yeah. And I think it's been made to be a bigger thing than it was now. It was in the 50s at Sun uh, Records Studio, mm. I think, and it was uh, Johnny Cash, Elvis. Was it Carl Perkins and uh, I'll look that up before the end of the episode. Anyway, I, I remember we talked about it before, so I thought it would be boring to go through again. Let's start <laughs> at the beginning. Let's start Ooh, at the beginning. Great place to start. Johnny Cash was what, – do you know what his, his real name is? John. Athen, Cash. Athen, <laughs> uh, Cash is right, but his actual wait really Cash is the. You think that out of those Cash is the made up? Yeah, bit? not well, where Johnny. Where did you get John from? Was John a middle name? Uh no. Oh. He, his he was born. His parents couldn't agree on his name, so his name on his birth certificate is the initials JR, not oh. standing for anything in particular. I think I heard. I saw some. Um, different sources said different things like they were arguing about different names. His dad's name was Ray. So I think the R was Ray. I think the dad maybe wanted Ray and maybe the mum wanted John. Uh, his parents were Ray and Carrie Rivers Cash. Uh, Rivers of Cash. Rivers of Cash. Wow. Uh, he was born on the 26th of Feb 1932 in Kingsland, Arkansas. Arkansas. And he... <laughs> Lived uh, his early years in a small house on a... Hoose. T- <laughs> Hoose? Hoose. Oh, sorry. I thought that, like his parents, I was going to say, but you were saying house. Hoose <laughs> 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 house. <laughs> uh, and they were on a 20-acre cotton farm. Life was tough. The whole family worked the fields. Um, you know, they were very working class, quite poor, and, you know, things were things were rough. The small house, I think, I think I read it, had, it was a five-room house and he was one of seven kids. Oh. Wow, there. Cash is a real ironic name. <laughs> yeah. Too many kids. Do they know What's what was causing, causing it? Uh, <laughs> Jess yeah. is doing the international symbol for sex. <laughs> for- Which is, of course, the finger dick <laughs> into the hand mutt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was like, I won't say it, but I hope that will. <laughs> I think we, I think the first time I said that was on the Elvis episode. Uh, in 1944, when Cash was 12, his older brother Jack, which uh, you'd probably remember this from the, I think this was in the movie, um, his older brother Jack, who he really looked up to, was involved in a tragic accident. Mm. While Jack was cutting wood one weekend, he was pulled into a table saw and he was cut badly. Um, and a week later passed away from the injuries. Oh, God, you're pointing to your chest. Did you get cut in half? 
I not I don't think fully in half, but yeah. Oh. I want the thing I was reading was like he dragged himself along the floor, and apparently that made it worse. He had a oh. big wound, and he was dragging himself over a dirty floor, which obviously. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That's um, awful. According to biography.com, uh, which is the was one of my main resources in, in this report. Uh, he became more introspective. This is Johnny or JR at this stage. He became more introspective afterwards and be, uh, began to spend more time alone writing stories and sketches. Um, He's writing sketches. Yeah, I know. I read that and a couple of different things saying how he wrote sketches. I'm like, I don't know what that means in America, oh. but it seems it's. I would assume he's just sketching. Yeah, drawing sketches. When you sketches. say writing a sketch, it's like a like a <gasps> comedy, comedy sketch. sketch. I mean, I didn't see him as much of a yeah comedic. Well, and performer. it's funny. I mean, they've gone after his brother died, he became more introspective and started writing comedy sketches. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't really they don't line up, do they? Uh, Jack's deathbed words uh, about seeing angels affected him. Deeply on a spiritual level, according to biography. I saw angels and they told me to ask you to write more comedy sketches. Yeah. He's like, um, maybe, well, what could we do with this? Say there's a fish, right? <laughs> back, back then, comedy sketches were about anything. It was a wild time. Unlike the... now. No. Nah, now they're very specifically all about shopkeepers. <laughs> As we know the rules. We all know the rules. We know what we signed up for. Uh, around this time, he began writing his first songs, and his mum, also a devout Christian, or a very Christian family, uh, I think his brother Jack was um, was likely to become a, a preacher. He was going down that path, very spiritual guy. Um, and I think, yeah, Johnny really took it on board when, he, when his brother was seeing angels. He's like, well, this confirms it. Um so yeah, his his mum sensed some talent and got got scraped together some money and sent him to singing lessons. But according to biography.com, after just three lessons, his teacher, enthralled with Cash's already unique singing style, told him to stop taking lessons and to never deviate from his natural voice. Wow. Which is that's, cool. That's you really cool. Idiot. <laughs> Not good business. Narrable business. Narrable business. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't pick oh, up all that. That's a portmanteau of terrible and not good business. Not good. Yep. <laughs> Which is good because you can't fully get all of that meaning in just terrible. You simply can't. When you throw in not good, <laughs> then it becomes clear as to what you're saying. Terrible business. Terrible. The nuance of terrible. What a moron! Take the money. What a moron! What a moron! <laughs> Which is a not good not moron. Good moron. <laughs> Which is a moron whose name is Nora. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, Cash graduated high school in 1950 with his di- diploma displaying his birth name, J.R. Cash. He worked briefly in Pontiac, Michigan, which I guess is where Pontiacs are named after, uh, at an auto body <laughs> plant before enlisting in the U.S. Air Force. Because mm. M- Michigan's a, like, that's the that's the home of, the automotive industry in America, I think, like Detroit, Motown, and all that, isn't it? Detroit, yeah, I Michigan? think uh, sort of classically. Couldn't tell you if it's. it's oh, yeah, no, I'm not sure if it still is, but I think yeah, back back in the day, um, it was here the, in the Air Force that he was given. Uh, he was first gave himself the name 
John as they would not take on a recruit with initials for a name, which I think is a bit rich coming from an organization known as the US Air Force. It's uh, the joke I wrote in this report. That's good. That's and when you I wrote mean, that, when you wrote it, I was with Evan uh, just down the hallway and yep. I said, Evan, I've written the joke of the report. You want to hear it? And he said, and it was so hot in the office that we were delirious. <laughs> he thought it was good. He thought it was good. And uh, he was wrong. He was wrong. And I'm, I'm willing to admit that. No, I love it. I love anyway, it so, much. so JR became John R. Cash, uh, which is funny because later he became known as John E. Cash. That was it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I decided against that one, didn't write it down. Oh, I thought <laughs> but you, you said, said it anyway. Evan, I, I don't want to call you over twice in one minute. But... <laughs> I've done it again. <laughs> we were rolling it. <laughs> No, for like I, I mean, we were. It was ironic laughter, Jess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you couldn't even give me that, you dog. Sorry, you nog. In, in, not good dog. Not good dog. <laughs> uh, now, a recruit Cash was sent to Lackland Air Force Base in Texas for training. Uh, this is where he met Vivian Liberto. Not on the base, but at a local San Antonio roller skating rink. Oh. Apparently, he uh, he asked if he could skate near her. Near, she, or near her. And she said, "Or no, maybe that's I not what he it. said." He's like, "Can I can I go for a skate with you?" And she said he wasn't a good skater, but he hummed along to the tune real good, and it and it really pricked her ears up. Oh, what a cute way to meet! Uh, they dated not like the kids these days on their interwebs. Tell you what. Probably meeting on like some sort of a digital roller skating rink, if you know what I mean. I some, assume. some sort of skating forum. <laughs> Can I type my words near yours? Okay. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. <laughs> Back away. Roll away. <laughs> uh, they dated for a few weeks before Cash was sent to West Germany, where he remained for three years, uh, working... Uh, uh, in, in communications, intercepting and deciphering Soviet radio messages. Apparently he was a natural at this, oh. uh, intercepting their Morse codes and stuff. Uh, through his time in Germany, Cash and Liberto sent frequent love letters to each other, which have since been published, oh. a lot of them. Okay, I was thinking about this this, uh, this morning. You know how often when a famous artist or a writer or a musician in this case dies, afterwards their letters are published? Do you think that when people die, say in 50 years that are famous now, people will hack their email and their family will give permission Facebook to pu- message to publish that? Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I don't... Because with I letters, like it doesn't... It's a betrayal of, of privacy. Yeah, but see, I feel that way. It is a betrayal of privacy with email. But with letters, I'm like, yeah, that's cool, publish that. But they probably never wanted us to read them. No, either. well, yeah, no, I feel a bit uncomfortable about them. I think when time goes on and if they're like... I guess there's probably a difference. People go, they're such a an historically important person that uh, the public, it's like a public interest thing, and they're dead, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, something a bit about it's a little uncomfortable. I give you guys permission to hack my email, but at the same time, I, I don't think, want to. I think um, you it's know, like subscriptions for porn. Yeah, because that's how you subscribe to porn <laughs> through email. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> yes. Do I just porn. told you. More porn, please. <laughs> Signed, Dave. Thank you for that latest bit batch of porn. <laughs> I especially enjoyed the second ba- part. <laughs> More of that. Love, Dave. <laughs> More porn. 
One more porn, please. <laughs> I've had my fill. Oh, always room for one more porn. <laughs> While in Germany, Cash also kept himself busy working on his guitar skills. He formed a band called the Landsberg Barbarians, named after the Bavarian town where he was stationed, which is Landsberg, obviously. Landsberg, Bavaria, which I, maybe that's Landsberg Barbarians is Landsberg Bavarians. It's a little plain words, I suppose. Um, that's possibly not true. They played shows for the fellow servicemen and also local Germans. Biography.com quoted Cash as later saying, we were terrible, but the Lohenbrau or Leuvenbrew beer will make you feel like you're great. <laughs> We'd take our instruments to these honky-tonks and play until they threw us out or a fight started. I mean, that's actually not bad. I was going to tease you and be like, oh, okay, we're doing impressions now, but that was pretty good. Yeah, keep doing that. That's good. I like, yeah, you know, like a real... To us, it's like, that sort of sounds American. To Americans, it'd be like, what is what, what that? What are you doing? Like when you hear the Australian accent, like, oh, yeah, good dolly, mate. Yeah. He is art gay And you're like, <laughs> you're like what, what the whoa. fuck is whoa, whoa, whoa. that? I will say, it's great when you're overseas and you do hear the Australian accent. Like a, I was on a, a bus going back to the airport on the trip I just got back from, and then you just hear this guy get on and go, excuse me, this, pl- this bus got Wi-Fi? So I was just like cringe. <laughs> like, oh. Oh, don't let him hear me talk. My people. <laughs> I don't want to sound like that. Wi-Fi. Oi, you got Wi-Fi? Oh, Wi-Fi. It was bad. <laughs> it's. I, I kind of. It depends on the mood, but some. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, oh, just I'm overseas to not be hearing yeah. Australians yeah. talk. But Australians are such broad travellers. But I, I remember one time loving the accent when I was um was in Germany. I've probably mentioned this before. So this metal festival called uh, Wacken or Varken, I think. Wacken. A rose tattoo. Um, Angry Anderson's band. Yep. Was playing. And they're Australian. And they're yeah, they're an Aussie band. They came out, and I hadn't heard the Australian accent for for a few months. And they came out, and the bass players wearing overalls <laughs> with like maybe a, like a blue singlet. And he he comes out and goes, check one fucking two. <laughs> And it just, like, blew my hair back. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and a little tear yeah. rolled into your eye and you just started singing, started singing the national anthem. <laughs> Check one fucking two. There's no fucking Wi-Fi backstage. <laughs> That's brilliant. Check one fucking two. <laughs> fucking two, yeah. It's like one of those, you know, those little moments just fully like imprinted in your mind i can picture everything about it i love it it's a good memory uh motorhead headline that festival no yeah it was sick anyway uh so cash left the air force in 1954 and was reunited with liberto and they soon married oh she uh, waited for him well i think they were both sleeping around he would he would often apparently in a lot of these letters he'd be like going I got really drunk. I'm really sorry. Won't happen again. And I think she said since that she was also, you know, they weren't exclusive. I mean, they dated for three weeks. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's pretty wild that they got, you know, he came back and they got married soon after. And kind of didn't, you know, some of that stuff probably didn't bode super well for the future. Um, settling down in Memphis, Tennessee. Cash worked as a salesman. I think he went door to door selling like kitchen goods or something like that. Um, playing music on the side with Marshall Grant, 
Red Canoodle, which is a fucking great name. <laughs> Canoodle. And Luther Perkins. Hey. Uh, who were workmates of Cash's mechanic brother, Roy. Johnny was the front man with a gu- guitar he paid 20 Deutschmarks for, which is around five bucks uh, US at oh, the time. Shit. Uh, Canoodle on steel guitar, Grant uh, on upright bass, and Perkins on electric guitar. Yeah. And apparently Perkins... The coolest. Yeah, well, apparently, um, according to one source at least, Perkins uh, was responsible for that chukachoo, 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 like that iconic mm-hmm. cash sound. And it's it's been passed down in my family ever since. Yeah. You're well known to do the chukachoo, chukachoo, chukachoo. I do that all the time. The... the, the, the the guitar sounding like a steam train. Do you guys ever listen to me? I'm always doing that. Yeah, you are. You're always just, underneath us. Always <laughs> chugging along. Yeah, I just keep chugging. And we just keep talking. No one ever addressed it until now. <laughs> it's a family thing. I get it now. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to I was listening to heaps of uh, his albums over the last little while, and uh, in, in a live album. It, um, he he just played Walk the Line and then he said uh, about that boom chicka sound, which sort of makes it sound like it was more his thing, but I think he was joking. He goes, people ask, I won't do the word. People ask me why I did the boom chicka boom chicka on that record. He didn't say boom chicka, he made the sound. Uh-huh. Uh, it's because we couldn't afford a drummer on that session and the people chuckled and he chuckled. So maybe it was just some banter, but anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. I can session. see that was one of his early sketches. Trying to <laughs> Very he funny. is funny. He's, He's funny. funny. He's funny. He also goes, and people ask why at the start of each chorus, I went, mm, you know, I've been in walk yeah, yeah. He goes, that was just because I was trying to find the key. I mean, don't give away all your secrets. Wow. Did he ever find the key or you locked out? <laughs> and that one was inspired by my good friend, J.R. Cash. Oh. Uh, so 1954, Elvis released his first record on the Sun Records label. Uh, and I guess this was around the time of that Million Dollar Quartet that we've been talking so much about. <laughs> um, and it uh, kicked off Elvis mania and increased interest in the Sun Records label. That that year or the next, I've read it in two, two different... Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Cash and his band went into Sun Records to audition. read somewhere that they went in unannounced and just sort of went... Let it give us an audition. Started playing in reception. Yeah. The manager came out. And Sam wow. Sam Phillips, the guy, came out and he goes, all right, I'll, he- I'll hear you guys. Uh, Canodal, which is a real shame. Totally. <laughs> he, uh, he yodeled. Canodal the yodeler. Um, yeah, he bailed on the audition due to nerves and fears that he would hold the group back. Oh. And also, obviously, he had his yodeling career to think about. <laughs> mm-hmm. You would have heard of him, the yodeling mechanic. Oh, I know. Yeah. Talking to you like you don't know. I've got his poster up in my workshop. Yeah. Uh, so that le- left just the th- the three men. They called themselves the Tennessee Three, but were convinced by Phillips to call Do themselves. Do you reckon that's why Canada left? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even included in the band name. <laughs> How do you know? I mean, it could be any of us three. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we all know. I mean, they did have three guitarists in a, in a group of four. <laughs> was he the which one? What did Canada play? It was play? steel guitar. No one needs that. No. Yeah, there's the electric. As and long the as acoustic. you've got electric Perkins. As long as you've got a boom chicka player. 
Yeah, you need the boom chicka. Sorry, man, I cut you off there. There was a Tennessee three, Tennessee and they were three, rumor, they were convinced by Phillips to call themselves Johnny Cash and the Tennessee two. Oh, again, Canada was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you could have just kept three, and I could have come back. <laughs> Very like, now. Now one's definitely yeah. Johnny. Yeah. We've narrowed. There's it down. only two spots left. <laughs> Are we getting rid of the boom chicka boom chicka guy. I don't think. I, so. I don't think so. <laughs> it's me and the fucking bass player. All right. All right. Yeah. Do we need a bass player in a band? Or another guitar. I think we all know the answer. Get out, Mr. Bass. Get out. Oh, I see. (laughs) Oh, I misjudged that. (laughs) Oh, I'm outside now. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh, mm, Mm, all right. Right, fine. Oh, where is everyone? (laughs) How am I going to tell my wife? I'm locked out and I can't find the key. (laughs) <laughs> oh, <there it> is. <laughs> I just can't get it. Johnny makes it look so easy. I don't think we, I don't think we've heard the last of Red Canodal. Am I right, Matt? He's coming back, surely. Uh, we've heard the last. Of Red yeah. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, there's too much, and we will do an, his own report. Oh, of it, course. Uh, about the mechanic, the mechanicing yodeler. <laughs> As he was called. How he was advertised. Is that a K-I-N-G? The Mechanic King? Yeah, the Mechanic King. Yodler. Yeah. That's the most Jess obviously has. The Mechanic King Yodler. Stop it. This sort of goes along with what you were saying before, going cash feels like obviously the made-up part. Because according to biography.com, upon first meeting Johnny Cash... Uh, Phillips thought that Johnny had made up his last name. It sounded to him like Johnny Dollar or Johnny Guitar, like quite a ridiculous <laughs> made-up name. But obviously uh, the cash part was real and can be traced back a thousand years to Scotland and uh, to the ancient kingdom of Fife. And it was Johnny that was the invention, which we've already discussed. Phillips liked them but apparently wasn't happy with their gospel-style songs telling them to come back with an original tune, which they did, presenting the cash-penned Hey Porter, uh, which Phillips liked and uh, consequently released as their first single. Uh, apparently, Cash came home to his pregnant wife, who was pregnant with their first kid, Vivian, excited, excitedly telling her, baby, we're cutting a record. <laughs> uh, next came Cry, 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 which became their first charting song, peaking at number 14 on the US country charts. Which was followed by, I found one list that looked like a dozen in a row uh, top 10 singles on the country charts. And that didn't include the B sides, which a lot of them also charted. Wow. So just real, really r- taking off. Here. Real hot streak. Um, uh, and, and quite a few of those crossed over into the mainstream charts as well, including one of the early singles was I Walk the Line, uh, which was number one on the country charts. And yeah, top, I think a top 20 hit on the mainstream charts. Uh, I think I read that uh, it was inspired by um, Cash hearing a, a Bavarian song played backwards accidentally, maybe. Which <laughs> and sounds... then he heard the devil. I walked yeah, alone. That's... Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, German backwards. Sounds like. Very English. English. Boom, chicka, boom, chicka. Uh, <laughs> the success led to endless touring. And time away from his young family, according to an article on vcstar.com, covering the marriage from Vivian's point of view, which is a real heartbreaking read, the tours also drew women, and when Vivian asked Johnny if he was ever tempted, he told her not to worry, 
I walk the line for you, is what he said to oh. her. Uh, which obviously led to uh, that song being written. Apparently, Johnny asked Vivian to write down the lyrics while they were driving along. Uh, in the late 1950s, Cash was lured away from Sun Records by Columbia Records with big cash, big dollars. Uh, he relocated his young family, uh, which by the early 1960s included four daughters, Roseanne, Kathy, Cindy, and Tara. Roseanne herself went on to be a multi-Grammy award-winning country singer. Roseanne. Roseanne Cash. cash. Yep. Wow. Um, but he was on the road uh, for the majority of the year by this stage. I think I saw some saying 30, uh, 300 nights a year. He'd be playing gigs, which is wild. Uh, yeah, 10 months a year. Wow. His band became the Tennessee Three in 59 or 60 when drummer <gasps> W.S. Holland joined. Oh, Sorry, I, thought, Red. I thought Red had gotten a call up. No. <laughs> Red, Red sees an advertiser. He turns up to the gig. Huh? 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 A drummer? Oh, fuck. <laughs> But you need another guitarist, right, guys? Oh, the one thing you sound's lacking. Another guitar. Another guitar. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I learned six new instruments <laughs> and not one of them is a drum. Oh, fuck. Fuck. Don't you want the clarinet? <laughs> no? Fucking hell. Do you need a flautist? <laughs> no. Fuck. Oh, fuck. I learned the viola. <laughs> huh? I thought that was very rock and roll. Oh, I like the harpsichord. No one's played this in 200 years. <laughs> I got a loot. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M. Com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, not in a way that's like, oh my God, it's expanding, like yeah, yeah. More physically. Like it's growing more customers, yes. more interest, not like it's going to explode. Yeah, not like it's a building that's like blowing up and yeah, it's yeah. all, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And I don't think they mean for marriage. You can sell your products on an online store, whether you sell physical or digital products, or you offer services like massage or oh. nails. Oh my gosh. Or uh, consulting. Should we, after this, get mani pedis? <laughs> Babe, I've already booked us in. <laughs> um, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, what about blogging tools, you yeah. might be asking? I like to blog. I love to blog. I like to blog. I like to vlog. Yes. Well, Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You can categorize, you can share. 
and schedule to make your content work for you. Scheduling is the best. Oh, yeah. it looks like Jess has just uploaded something. What it? But it's like 3 a.m. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the exact time I wanted to do it in New York City, baby. Exactly. Capture that New York market. Yeah. You mentioned vlogging as well. If you're into vlogging, you can organise your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages, sell access to your videos with member areas. The possibilities are endless. Now head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, on these tours uh, that Johnny Cash is going on, his band would often be a accompanied by june carter now uh you're familiar with her cash first saw her years earlier performing with her family band who was like a a, an iconic country band which i didn't realize um generations of carters played in this band okay uh from what i read though carter didn't hear of cash until elvis presley mentioned him to her this is according to this. This feels. It says this. Uh, I found a couple of websites saying they were quoting the liner notes of a CD, which were written by June Carter. But I, so whether or not, I don't. This was off DangerousMinds.net, so possibly a, a myth. But you know, it, it was typed up so nicely that I like to believe it. Um, so uh, in, in these notes, Carter was talking about how she was on tour with Elvis before meeting Cash or even her hearing of Cash when she found Elvis trying to tune his guitar while humming like Cash. <laughs> and according to Carter, she asked him what the weird humming sound was all about and Elvis replied, that's what drives the girls crazy. Uh, uh, Cash, don't ha- Cash don't have to move a muscle. He just sings and stands there. I don't know... Uh, I don't know this Johnny Cash, Carter replied. And Elvis said, oh, you'll know Cash. The whole the whole world will know Johnny Cash. He's a friend of mine. <laughs> it sounds like an, an evil guy. Yeah. It's just been spread. Oh, you'll know Cash. The whole world will know Cash. You'll pay. You'll pay Cash. <laughs> so, so the whole tour, Carter's first with Cash. They went into small cafes uh, throughout the South and Elvis played Johnny Cash on the jukebox. So when Carter met him soon after and they started uh, eventually tour together, she felt like she already knew him. Um, but they were both already married at the time, but they, there was already feelings between the two. Chemistry. Yeah. There was so there, I mean, this a is, connection. You normally hear about this as like a, the great love story, and it, it does definitely seem to be, but I can't help but feel... For Vivian, mm. who is home 10 months of the year, bringing up the four kids by herself while her husband's gone around fucking about. And June Carter has a husband and yeah. kids as well. Uh, she I had think, Oh, she, she did have kids. kids. Yeah, great. Sorry, this isn't the bloody Carter cash report, mate. I'm pretty sure. Uh, in, in 1963, June Carter co-wrote a song about her falling for cash. This is while um, cash was still married. Though he was still married to Vivian. I should have just waited till the very next sentence. sentence. Mm. June's sister Anita released the song without much success. The story goes that Cash heard the song titled Love's Ring of Fire and later had a dream about the song, only in his dream it was accompanied by mariachi-style horns or trumpets. When the song failed to become a hit for Anita, Cash recorded the song as he dreamt it and it went on to become one of his biggest hits. 
the iconic ring of fire. Did it feature a red on trumpet? <laughs> so sorry. He learnt it. He learnt it. And he still didn't get the fucking... Oh, fuck! Red's dead, You need baby. trumpets. I play the fucking trumpet. Huh? Huh? Oh, fuck off. Now gonna, this is feeling personal. You're going to get a mariachi player instead, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, the 60s were a tough time. A rough time for Johnny and Vivian. Uh, Cash was abusing drugs and alcohol. Um, he was like, fuck you, drugs. <laughs> You're nothing. Alcohol, you can fuck off too. I don't need you in my life. Is that what happened? <laughs> Is that what he said? Oh, did he of... Did he throw a bottle of whiskey in the bin? Um, uh, <laughs> that's where you belong, whiskey. <laughs> I, I wouldn't like to be treated that way. That's, that is abuse. Uh, you would sure, you don't that's what it is doing. You don't want to be thrown in the bin. I don't want to be thrown in the bin. No, that is true. Nobody puts Baber in the corner and nobody puts Jesse in the bin. Nobody puts bottle in the bin. <laughs> Bopper in the bin. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was sleeping around and increasingly in trouble with the law all while his wife, Vivian, was home with their four kids. So this, is, this yeah, kind of bummed me out a bit, but... Um, Around you know uh, during these times, his relationship with June Carter began as well. So there was a gross overlap, I think. Uh, so multiple affairs. Yeah, that's right. So I mean, it's at least uh, one of them went on to be a, a, a long-lasting marriage, according to the VC Star article. Initially, Vivian denied it. She was the one Johnny walked the line for, but then she started noticing warning signs, like Johnny would spend less and less time at their family home and then she found receipts for thousands of dollars of gifts for June. Oh, it's just such a gross. He's been I mean, less time at home. He's away 10 months yeah. of the year already. I mean, she found receipts. He just happened to write present for June yeah, on them because he he is very yeah. careful with his taxes. He's a real good yeah, he was very he kept a very balanced book. Yeah. And that is admirable. And yeah. that's what I'm looking for in a man. Someone who can balance my books. Someone... Wait, like an accountant? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> What's happened? What have I done? No, no, fuck it. Leave the books unbalanced. No, but I like being organised. Oh, God, I'm so conflicted. Um, she wrote that the whole experience was degrading and horrible, obviously, um, and the idea Johnny could love someone else was hard for her to accept. Uh, in the end, Vivian regretted not uh, revisiting all those love letters and trying to fight harder for the marriage, oh. which is like, oh, no. Vivian, no. You're not the problem <laughs> here, Vivian. Um, she. This is a quote. I should have been relentless at saving it, as relentless as June was at destroying it. Oof, brutal. She, she later <laughs> wrote. In brackets it said, though she ultimately forgives her. Oh, this interesting. Is, this is all in her, um, she wrote an autobiography uh, later in life, uh, and it was titled, I think it was titled. Fuck you, June Carter. <laughs> <laughs> it was a you. <laughs> I think nah, it was, you're all right. It was titled something like I Walk the Line, and, and her, apparently her friends, apparently she was just so loved in her community after they split, um, just a, one of those community members that was just loved by everyone. Mm. And and her friends were the ones that saying. He didn't walk the line. You walked the line. You were the one who stayed home and raised the kids. He didn't, you know, the, yeah. the idea of walking the straight line, I guess, as being straight and true or whatever is, I guess, how I interpret it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of like that as a title for the book. Um, apparently, he left without saying goodbye. Oh. 
uh, Vivian wrote that he eventually apologized to his daughters, but never to her. I'd have given anything to hear Johnny say he was sorry. Oh, that's awful. Um. Anyway, fuck um, him, right? I, this, yeah, is, this, this is the point of the story. It's like, fuck you, Johnny Cash. Mm. And I don't know what his relationship's like with his kids, was like with his kids, but I can't imagine being like, Dad! Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. So, I mean, that's all real sad. This is no excuse, but he was fuck-eyed yeah. on, on di- with different addictions at the time. But, uh, you know, obviously not no excuse to be a real um, asshole. Hmm, well, it sounds like you wouldn't want to be around him anyway. He sounds awful. Yeah, yeah. no, there were... So, well, I'm going to tell a few of the stories. Um, obviously, he was, in, he was in a bad place in in general. Um, and in these years, he was arrested several times. It was about seven times in seven years, I think. Um, but perhaps his most famous run in with the law occur, occurred in 1965 in El Paso, Texas. He crossed the Mexican border to buy amphetamines, uh, which he was addicted to at the time. And he purchased a, a heap of them, stuffed them in his socks and then into his guitar case, crossed back over the border. But then he, I think he was busted on the plane in Texas the next day. So it's like, oh, he, he didn't get busted crossing the border. It was already once he was and then got, mm. I think is how I read it. Um, apparently he had 668 dexedrine and 475 equinil tablets. He avoided jail time because they were over-the-counter drugs, still illegal for him to have, be that, bring, have that many have that many and bring them across, uh, smuggle them in. But uh, it meant he avoided jail time because of what I think the cops went after him thinking it was heroin or something like that. But, um, yeah, so wow. he copped a fine and a suspended sentence. Uh, and though this sort of all wraps up into the bad boy image that I think we associate with him now. Apparently at the time it was received poorly with his conservative audience, um, who of course only do fucked up things privately. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I would say in my mind, like the most, the people who do the the most fucked things are people who present very conservative publicly. Right. And that's how it goes in my head. I'm sure some people who present conservatively are actually conservative. So do you see a very conservative-looking person walking down the street and you're oh like, they God. definitely have a sex swing at their what house? A, yeah. yeah. What do they get up to? Oh. I know what you are. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just wearing a tie. you got a weird fetish or something, don't you? you got a sock of Dexedrine or some <laughs> shit in you. Where is it? Where is it? Give us the sock, mate. How do you know it was in a sock? <laughs> I can tell. No, you're all the same, you conservatives. Uh, the drug use was wrecking his voice as well, um, and he was building up a bit of a reputation. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how I pictured it being wrecked. I keep a close <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. Uh, I keep my eyes wide open. It was angelic. It was like a boys' choir. Or something. It was beautiful. Oh, this is no good. This is not what the people want to see. <laughs> I like how you think that's angelic. <laughs> oh, I keep my eyes Oh, the angels oh. are here. What is this? The rapture? Gabriel, is that you? <laughs> because you're mine, I walk the line. <laughs> Silent night. It's oh, beautiful. Um, so he, uh, he was building up a reputation as an unreliable performer, often 
not rocking up to shows at all. Pay his way. He's not a lifeline. I don't know, Patty. He'll never pay <laughs> his hydrolyte. So you said? So he'll never pay his way. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, he also would wreck backstage areas and hotel rooms, like classic sort of bad boy rock star behavior. Sick. Um, he once had a short affair with country singer Billie Jean Horton. Um, Horton apparently ended it when she found out about Cash's wife and kids. But he, he found out she was in town staying at this hotel. So he like stormed through the hotel trying to find her, banging on her door, and she locked it. She's like, no good, mate. And he cracked, <laughs> no home. cracked the shits, right? He turned around and just smashed antique chandeliers all the way down the hall in this hotel. <laughs> Not funny. Whoa. A little bit funny. Just like scary behavior, yeah. really. But Terrifying. Um, uh, on another occasion, he drove to California's Los Padres, that's probably how you say National Forest in Ventura County with his nephew. He was binging on pills and booze uh, there, and he apparently went off alone to fish for a bit. Uh, when his nephew, Damon, smelt smoke, he found Cash losing control of a fire. And according to LAWeekly.com... <laughs> I'm in control. I'm in control. I'm not in control anymore! <laughs> so, so I mean, to be fair, he was trying to control the fire with his mind. <laughs> <laughs> You just see him just pan- rubbing his temples <laughs> and panic on his face and going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to find the key of the fire. <laughs> uh, so according to LAWeekly.com, his overheated party truck yeah, became overheated. an igniting torch, scorching hundreds of acres. Is that what he called himself? The party truck. <laughs> oh, see, the, these guys go to the party truck. Which is, and another thing I read, it was like he borrowed his sister's camping van. <laughs> Party truck. Um, so, so hundreds of acres were burnt. So it was a big wild bushfire. Across three mountains. <gasps> Holy shit. And it roasted and killed 49 of the area's 53 endangered Californian condors. Big. <laughs> Oh, shit. I shouldn't laugh, but that's crazy. That's basically almost left. to extinction. He nearly made a, a species go extinct <laughs> because of his party truck. My party truck it made an animal go extinct. I'm a bad boy. Do, do, do you reckon he was apologetic? No. About killing, the, I killing all those birds? You'd have to. You'd I have to. doubt so very much. This is He's quoted as saying, and this was across a few different... Um, sources. He, he was quoted as saying, I don't care about your damn yellow buzzards. It's <laughs> amazing. Well, it's terrible, but it's so crazy. It's funny. Yeah, I'd never, I'd never heard I of that. I did not know that. That is not in the film, funnily enough. Uh, he, <laughs> I also love roasted. Yeah, roasted is brutal language oh, from the LA Weekly. It smelt amazing. <laughs> they tasted real good. Yeah, very tender. Kentucky fried condor but- buzzard. Oh, wow. Uh, apparently, yeah, so he settled with the government out of court for about 80 grand. Um, so of these wild years, he would later say, I had become habituated to amphetamines and barbiturates and alcohol, all three at the same time. That combination is deadly poisonous. I got up to a habit of as many as 100 pills a day and a Whoa, case of beer. That's fucked. 100 pills? 
And a case of beer. I mean, that just, I mean, for you, you would struggle to even stomach, even if they were sugar pills, right? Oh, I can't even swallow one pill. I have two pills because of my weird esophagus. Yeah, right. So a hundred. Oh. Yeah, well, that's, that sounds that's like hell for yeah, you. Yeah, right? that's a form of torture for you. A hundred. I mean. But I'm grateful it's a hundred. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I would have as many as 98 pills a oh, day. Oh, for fuck's sake. sake. He's like gasping for air gun. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck! My mouth's so dry. <laughs> I mean, how do you not die? Because yeah, you, I guess you slowly build up, like a tolerance, I suppose. Oh, you'd have diarrhea for sure. You'd have to. <laughs> okay. I would. I would have thought the other way around. I'm not sure that's what the first thing. Why that's the first thing you think of? Twenty four beers and a hundred pills. I'm imagining no other food. Oh, yeah, good call. Oh. I reckon he'd be blocked right up. I don't know how the body works. <laughs> well, I mean, 50 of those were laxative pills. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there, there was a time where apparently to fit into some... I, I, I read this so early this morning. I, it's only vague memory, but to fit in some sort of classic old suit of an old country performer, he just binged on diet pills for a while and just wasted away. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, he was very gaunt through some of this period. Uh, he also said... Arrested seven times in seven years. No, I'm not gonna, that, I lost it there. I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and I knew it. I was usually on 100 pills a day, but I got no pleasure from them. No peace. I couldn't stand my life, but I couldn't find a way out of it. I guess that's what addiction is. Fucking brutal. That's awful. Uh, despite all the trouble of his personal life uh, and with his live performance... He didn't go a year in the 60s without a top 10 single on the country charts. Every year throughout all this time, he was still banging out hits. Uh, in 1967, he won his first of 13 Grammy Awards for Best Country and Western Performance uh, uh, for a duet, trio, or group for Jackson with We're gone, Jackson. June Carter. 13 Grammys is a fair effort. There was a um, There was one... I don't remember where we were, somewhere, maybe Northern Territory, and I was on a road show a couple of years ago with Reese Nicholson, and one the microphone at the was one of those old school ones, like like entirely silver, big microphone oh, they yeah. used to sort of share, and we were doing a mic check, and I started singing Jackson, and Reese just runs straight in and sings the other side, so we're both just standing there singing Jackson. It's very fun. It's a real, it's a fun, it's a fun duet. I associate that song to Reese now, which is kind of nice. He probably doesn't even remember it. So the first few or 13 Grammys? Yes. With Reese Yes. It is a great duet. Yeah. Really, really bloody. It's a banger. It's really fun. I'm going to Jackson. I'll, yeah, it's so fun to sing the, the Johnny Cash songs because mm. it's, it's almost it's slow enough that I can. It almost sounds like I'm singing. <laughs> uh, his marriage uh, didn't survive the decade. We sort of talked about this before. With Vivian filing for divorce in 1966, and within a couple of years, Cash proposed to Carter on stage while performing in Ontario, Canada, and a week later they married. Oh. Uh, Carter hyphenated her name, became June Carter Cash. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a that's a great. Some hyphenated names don't work, but yeah. that's that's a, and often I when it's like like the same letter, but Carter Cash is, good. is great. Yeah, I think because Cash is very short and Carter's only two syllables. Perkins, there's no way that will hyphenate with anything. Perkins Warnicky. Yeah, it's just a, stupid. It just Ca- Cash Perkins. Cash Perkins. Cash Perkins oh, is great. Fuck. Well yeah, played, that's Dave. really Sounds good. good. 
Perkins cash. Two, two nah, of, cash that's Perkins. two of the millionaire quartet. <laughs> Million dollar quartet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carter was a devout Christian. Um, some described it as a Bible basher. Which um, I always, when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, that's people who do not like the Bible. But <laughs> it means quite the opposite. Oh. Um, and it, it seems that she helped him refocus on his faith and he became very religious. I mean, he already sort of was, but he really refocused on that. And there were a few big moments. He, there was one time around these years where he, he went down into a cave apparently to, to just to try to lose himself and die. Um, but he, he, he felt like he had some sort of an epiphany or it felt like he had a moment with God and he saw a little light and it felt a little breeze on his back and that got him back out and he saw that as being like his rebirth. Holy shit. If, if that's a true story, that, that feels like something you'd write. It sounds almost like, like a cliched scene for a guy. Big time. Like quite literally he's like coming out of a cave yeah. to start again. Is that so, how you see vaginas as a cave? Is that what you mean by that? Man cave. No, I was <laughs> No, I was um I was thinking more like uh like Jesus is being reborn right. coming out of the tomb. Yep. But yeah, I get like that would that even more tomb. literally. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. No. No, I get it. <laughs> um so Car- Carter sort of started refocusing him. Um it, it doesn't sound like it was instant, but things were starting to turn around from him at uh, this point. A lot of people say others probably argue you know she she's not universally loved some people i think certainly those siding with uh, his first wife say that it, it wasn't all that happy but it seems to be um cash uh soon after this released his massive triple platinum selling albums uh recorded live at prisons 1968's live at Folsom prison mm. and 1969's live at san quentin i think san quentin may have been recorded earlier uh, and probably the most famous one is Folsom awesome, Prison, right? Yeah. He also had a, a hit, early hit song <coughs> with Folsom Prison Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I, yeah, I think that probably stands his most iconic album, maybe even un, inarguably. Uh, due to their success and his troubles with the law, people often assume that Cash himself spent uh, a bunch of time behind bars, but he didn't didn't really ever spend any stretches, only solo nights at a time, you know, for been drunk or whatever, yeah. but never he was never put away hmm. for a stretch. I suppose it's a good way to put the prisoners on side if you ever do go to jail. Yeah. It's a bit of networking. That's right. Assuming you're going to go to jail. Yeah, yeah. That's, you got to network. You, you got to network. You got to. I mean, it's, it, you know, it feels dirty, but. You simply must. That's how the business works. Yeah. The business of being a criminal. <laughs> yeah, the business of jail. Uh Cash had long been keen to record an album uh, at Folsom Prison. Um, it's actually it was the it's the prison that uh, makes the number plates of for California apparently or it used to be. Uh-huh. Columbia, his record label though, was not keen in part due to the expense, and also as bluesy outlaw country music uh, was not seen to be particularly fashionable at the time. Um, to give you an idea, in the year previous to the recording. Some of the big albums were uh, The Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's, Jimi Hendrix Experiences, Are You Experienced, and Cream's Disraeli Gears. So, like, you know, it was sort of psychedelic rock and it was it was a big change in music and Johnny Cash's music was seen as being like, pretty old school. Like and, your dad's album. Yeah. 
<laughs> Which is funny. Yeah. I mean, but obviously in America, it's such a big population. There's all these different ways of going, and it, and it turned out to be a, a huge crossover hit. Um, Cash did have an ally in Bob Dylan's producer, Bob Johnston. So whilst his label wasn't keen, Bob Johnston proved to be um, a big supporter and he helped get the idea over the line. Uh, so in Folsom Prison's Dining Hall 2 at 9.40am on the 13th of January, uh, he played that kicked off the first of two back-to-back concerts, which formed the recordings. Um, the closing song on the album, and this is something I didn't know about, was a cover. Do you know anything about this? No. The track uh, Greystone Chapel, which is written about the chapel at Folsom Prison. Um, Cash first heard this song the night before, the day before, um, uh, uh, as it was written by a Folsom Prison inmate, Glenn Shirley, and... Uh, uh, Shirley was in for bank robbery and he was unaware that the prison chaplain had passed a tape of his song onto Cash the day before. <laughs> Cash and his uh, Cash loved it and they learnt it the night before and surprised Shirley by playing it. So he was in the crowd. He was in the crowd. He was up towards the front apparently. <laughs> and you can hear Cash uh, saying on the recording, I hope I do your song justice, Glenn. <laughs> it was real nice. And that's how the album closes out. Wow. That's a, cool. A cool moment. Yeah, and it's a it's a cool song. Um, this proved to be quite a a big break for Shirley, um, though uh, he was still in prison. Another of Shirley's songs was recorded a couple of years later, "Portrait of My Woman" by Eddie Arnold, and that led to more attention and the opportunity to record his own live album while still incarcerated. Whoa! Um, and then when released from prison, apparently Shirley was met at the gates by Cash, <laughs> who took him on the road and brought him into his show um uh but it became clear to some in the band that shirley in the words of bass player marshall grant was a pathological criminal um threats he made to others in the touring party led to him being dismissed by cash oh that's disappointing yeah. oh, that is, so that's... it's such a everything was such a nice story but it, it, it ends up being quite a sad tale mm. uh, he struggled with the limelight and ended up working on a cattle farm um before shooting a man and hiding out, I think at his brother's property or something, eventually uh, killing himself, shooting himself oh. in the head. So, yeah, super sad story. Uh, Cash paid for his funeral. And apparently I think that, that hit Cash pretty hard. He was really, he, he kind of, he, he liked to think of himself as trying to fight for the, you know, the fight for the downtrodden and the, mm. the prisoners and that sort of stuff. But this sort of made him think like, oh, fucking hell. Some people and, are just bad. Yeah, and I think what his daughter later said that, you know, his heart was in the right place, but he was never a guy who was going to fix anything for anyone. You know, he had enough of his own demons. Wow. But it, it was like he, he definitely seemed to have a bloody crack at it. Um, and he, he fought for a few uh, different causes. Um, in 1969, uh, Cash also debuted his TV Variety show. What? The Johnny Cash show. Oh, no. Never yeah, so it was like a talk show and he had musicians on it. Apparently it was, it was quite successful. Really? And it came about due to the success of the Folsom Prison album probably. I just don't really feel like him as the talk show host. Yeah, no, it's you know? funny. But Let's I, I not think... forget Sketch Rider. <laughs> no, right. you're not wrong. Sorry, of course. Uh, I forget his true passion. Yeah, comedy. And he, he, got, <laughs> he got big guests and I, I think, yeah, I think it went... <laughs> 
relatively well. So I, like you said, big gas, and then that made me think of gas bags from the Hindenburg. And <laughs> <laughs> People enjoyed gas bags. There's uh, a few tweets about gas bags. Funny. <laughs> People love the gas bag. Uh, People love gas bags. You never know. What, you just never know. You never know. <laughs> Dave, Dave came armed with what he thought was a great report. Well, what he no, thought. Really, the takeaway <laughs> moment was just laughing at the word gas bag <laughs> or the phrase gas bags. If you missed that episode. A few people have said uh, best since Shackleton. Whoa. Which is high praise. D-dubs. And obviously Shackleton is our Folsom Prison Blues. <laughs> no, Folsom Prison, live at Folsom Prison. Anyway. So far. Come on, we can talk. Uh yeah, I think we're doing a run now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Matt. Dave can top it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Misunderstood what he was saying there. He's being generous. We. We cannot top it. You and I, Dave can. Obviously, uh, those shows are made good because of the Sass Twins. Yeah, you're um, right. Obviously, definitely. Obviously. Uh, so uh, the Folsom Prison album also scored him a couple of Grammys. Um which you know isn't super surprising. I also read uh, this stat that blew me away a little. Apparently, in 1969, he was the biggest selling artist in the world. In 1969, oh, really? like the summer of love, Johnny Cash was the biggest that year. The we Beatles released the Abbey Road. Went on the moon. Uh, Don't know. Well, that has to do with the music charts. I'm just letting you know. I know a fact. I can't believe Buzz Aldrin is, wasn't the world's biggest selling music artist that year. <laughs> I, that is actually very surprising. The world's biggest yeah. selling artist. Crazy. Uh, in 1970, Cash and Carter Cash had their only child, John Carter Cash, who himself went on to win a Grammy for Best Traditional Folk Album in 2004. He was also, I think, the like the executive producer, one of the, had a key role on the film after yeah. his parents died. He, I th- so he... I think, yeah. But apparently, uh, read one. Of, I think maybe Roseanne. One of his daughters was like, "It was traumatic watching the movie." She's like, "It was." She didn't really reckon like. She didn't. She recognized the scenes, but the the characters did not seem familiar to her. It was mm-hmm. like they weren't accurate. But it was just traumatic for her to watch, and she's like, "What?" And fair enough. Yeah, it, it definitely comes from a um a, a very sympathetic place. Yes. The film, it's kind of like poor Johnny. To him, him and, uh, yeah, well, I guess, that, yeah, and it was. And you do feel bad for the, the only son of Vivian. You do feel, June, yeah. June, it, and, and June and Johnny. So, yeah, imagine sense. if it was one of Vivian's kids making the movie, it would have been a, a bit of a different slant on it all. Yeah. Uh, the 70s also began with uh, six top five charting albums on the country charts. So he, he wasn't just back, he was smashing it. Six Albums, six top five charts. That's just in the yeah, in the early. He wow. just he like two a year. Did so many. Yeah, he did a lot of albums. I think he recorded a lot of songs multiple times and stuff. And he did did a lot of covers, although he wrote a lot of his own songs as well. But he was super prolific. Um, the hot streak didn't last long though, as he began abusing amphetamines again in the late seventies. And in nineteen eighty three, he entered rehab at the famous Betty Ford Clinic. Is that the one that on The Simpsons they do, I'm checking in? Is that Betty Ford? I think it might be. Um, checking in. He's checking in. Checking, checking in. Checking, checking check check Hey, that's just my aspirin. <laughs> no more drugs or alcohol. 
Uh, he got clean, but he followed uh, this loop of getting clean and relapsing, receiving treatment again in 89 and 92. Um, but it's not like he wasn't making things happen through these years as well. He continued to release albums to varying degrees of success. And he also dabbled in acting with roles on the big and small screens. And in 1980, he was inducted to the Country Music Hall of Fame at 48 years of age, uh, making him at the time the youngest living inductee. At the time, when I read that, I'm like, youngest living? But then I thought oh, there, there were probably people who died younger than that who were inducted. Right, sure, yeah. I think is what that means. Um, as time went on, Cash looked to collaborate with other artists more and more. I mean, he was always very collaborative, but um, maybe the f- most famous of, of these was with the Highwaymen. Have you heard of them? Sort of a, a country supergroup with Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson, and Waylon Jennings. Wow. And they released three albums um, from the mid-'80s to the mid-'90s. In 1992, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, he was one of the few who's been inducted into both country and rock and roll and rock. halls of fame. I think Elvis is another one who has. Um, and yeah, I, I thought I googled a few different versions of uh, people who were inducted into both, and I, I couldn't find a list or anything. But I, I can't have assumed that Hank Williams probably was. I, but anyway, um, I don't imagine- assume. Should never assume and also probably, yeah, I, I don't think there'll be heaps anyway. Because, mm. I mean, a lot of the people, I looked through the Country Hall of Fame, I was like, who the fuck? Who is this? Lee Kernigan was not in there. And I'm like, W-T-F. What about Slim? I don't know. Slim should be in there, surely. Slim should be in there. Slim Dusty, that is not shady. I think, <laughs> did, was he, was Slim Dusty... Um. <laughs> Was he the one? Did he write "I've Been Everywhere, Man"? Or was that some, that was someone else? Wasn't it? But he covered else. it. But I think Johnny Cash did a version of that. Oh, like pro- a famous Aussie country song. But he, I mean, he he also covered a Nick Cave song, "The Mercy Seat," and duetted with Nick Cave in later years as well. Wow. That's really cool. Um, uh, and that's yeah, just a couple of couple of uh, deep. Great brooding, brooding man. Yeah, two deep voices together. Uh, his last long-term project was when he teamed up with legendary music producer Rick Rubin to release the American recordings. You familiar with Rick Rubin? Yes. Uh, this would lead to an, uh, yet another revival of Cash's career after a relatively lean period of critical success and relevance, really. Uh, Rubin uh, had already made his name producing a diverse range of huge, al- huge albums. Did you, did you, have you heard of Rick Rubin? No. He's like, he did the Beastie Boys' first album. Licensed there. Ill. Yeah. He's done like every... He, he, right. he did uh, Run DMC's Raising Hell, like one of their, their huge... That was their huge one. Slayer's Rain and Blood, which is like their classic. Red Hot Chili Peppers' Blood, Sugar Sex Magic. Oh, so he'd shit. already done all these albums for that, and he's gone on to... Done like Metallica and... Yes. He sort of made Metallica... He's still done Madonna. He's done all kinds of... Yeah. Oh, incredible. Just across all sorts of genres. Really and he also, yeah, he really um, brought a big upswing to Cash's career right at the end with these this series of albums. The first one, the American Recordings album, was released in 1994. It was the first Cash album to chart in the US country top 30 in over 10 years. And it opened up a new audience uh, to him. Uh, and it also scored a Grammy for Best Contemporary Folk Album. Uh, Cash followed up with further albums in this series with Ruben, uh, the fourth of which, released in 2002, subtitled The Man Comes Around, was the 87th 
studio album and also the final. No. Yeah, 87th and final uh, in his lifetime. That is insane. I, that's, I think the title track on that, you know, that song, The Man Comes Around, I think that's probably my favorite Cash song and it was like released a year before he died. He was releasing bangers right to the end. That album also has his cover of Hurt, which you're probably familiar with, that Nine Inch Nails song. Yeah, it's really good. That's often like cited as one of the best songs ever. Yeah, it's, it's often it'll it's often in the list of best covers and even yeah, just great great songs. Um, he passed away the following year on the twelfth of September two thousand and three from uh, complications with diabetes. Uh, he lived only a couple of months longer than his wife, June, who passed away on the 15th of May. Uh, in his final months, Cash and Ruben continued on the project with recordings that would make up American Five, uh, which was subtitled 100 Highways. Uh, he f- and there, and they, there was even another one released beyond that, um, American Six. Uh, he finished up the recordings just a week before his death. And according to Ruben, uh, this is quoting Ruben, once June passed... The, the person of the month, he had the will <laughs> Sorry, it's funny. to live long enough to record, but that was pretty much all. A day after June passed, he said, I need to have something to do every day, otherwise there's no reason for me to be here. The album was a critical and commercial success, hitting number one not only on the US country chart, but also on the just it was the number one on the mainstream US Incredible. chart. Uh, in 2005... A biopic. I say biopic, but I hear... Biopic? Some bio, people, some say, people biopic. say biopic. I say biopic, Dave. Biopic sounds to me like somebody with the eyes. I think I say biopic, but of I... Of course you fucking do. But you I accept cartilage. But they're both right. They're both fine. Biop. But it's biography, biographical, bio... You don't say it. Oh, I was supposed to say... Biopic. Oh, yeah, no, bio. yeah, right. Yeah, look, I just talked myself out of it. Um, In 2005, a biopic starring... Joaquin Phoenix as mm. Cash and Reese Witherspoon as June Carter Cash, as we talked about before, was released to much acclaim. Witherspoon won the Academy Award for Best Actress and Phoenix was nominated for Best Actor. Did their own singing? Did their own singing, mm. yeah. Which is, like, it's actually really great. Like, they're singing, I mean. I think yeah. Yeah, yeah, really I think, yeah, I think it's... Um, yeah, that's impressive. I didn't know that. Spot yeah. on. And, they, yeah, I think... They're pretty Jackson's sure I read they did, they did a, a live performance um, with... The actors and the living um, members of the band all oh. together somewhere around that time, which is cool. Uh, in 2010, Rolling Stone magazine named Cash the 31st greatest artist of all time. And I've got, I've, I've put this down as a fun fact, but we all know there are no fun facts. But I, I, I kind of wanted just <laughs> to finish the report with a with Vivian Cash, who, who lived, outlived uh, a. Johnny and June by a couple of years, whatever. But in between um, June dying and Johnny dying, Vivian went and visited Cash and told him she was writing this book. And apparently Cash said to her, well, about time or something like that, which is weird. And he apparently he agreed to write the forward for it, but he, he died before he got the chance. Um, but I, I quite like this because she, you know, sometimes it feels like sometimes in a breakup, People will focus on one or the other, and it's often not the person who really was committed to them. It's the the other person who's come in. It's like to me, it's like you'd be logically you should be pissed off at Johnny. He's the one who fucked yeah. you over. June, you know, she had no commitment to you. Yeah, but uh, you know, whatever. But anyway, um, Vivian definitely was more brutal against June, 
uh, in her yeah. afterwards, which is fun. like obviously mourn a relationship however you like. But um, mm. did, tell me if this is a fun fact. I don't think it is. Uh, in Vivian Cash's autobiography, she denied that Carter had anything to do with the writing of Ring of Fire, which is obviously credited to her. Um, this is a quote from the book. She didn't write that song any more than I did. The truth is Johnny wrote that song while pilled up and drunk about a certain private female body part. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Ring of fire. It shouldn't feel like fire. And if it feels like it's on fire, you should like get an ointment for that. You Call know? a doctor. See a doctor. But what not that amazing? Like she believes that and yeah. I assume she believed that to write it. Yeah. That's a good assumption. Yeah, I think I think it's so funny because I totally understand why, and I think it's pr- probably quite common that she's yeah hates June. Yeah, I to- But you're so right that it's not June who said she'd marry you and live with you and and have a life with you. Yeah, and had four kids with you. Yeah, and- it's Johnny, and no, you shouldn't have fought harder for him. Yeah, because he fuck him wouldn't do that for you. Yeah, no. he didn't. He apparently never apologised and no, didn't say never goodbye. Apologized. That's Fuck true. that guy. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'm sure there there are different versions of all of that. Of so th- those things were coming from her autobiography, and she also said that June Carter didn't write this song that she famously wrote. Mm. So, you know, grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got all of this information from the internet, and I mean that is notoriously and notoriously uh, credible. That's oh sorry, that's a report. Great, Great report. stuff, Matthew. Matthew, our little golden I, boy. I enjoyed that. So you got the listeners to vote on the uh, sorry the Patreon supporters. Yes, uh, upper Patreon tier level people to and, vote on that topic. And, and you let me know that it was um, you let me know that it was Valentine's Day around this episode time, or is uh, it as this episode comes out? Yeah, I think maybe the day before our time. Right, so I'm so I put up. Uh, no, Valentine's Day is a Wednesday. No, sorry, it comes out on our Valentine's Day. So I said to Matt, "Oh, maybe we can have a, a love story." So thank you for providing well, beautiful a beautiful tale. Because I mean, I didn't, I didn't know a lot about that, and I didn't think about. It. I went through the hat, and I'm, I'm trying to find love specific things. In the end, I decided to put up three beloved uh, entertainers. Oh, nice one. Yeah, our listeners wouldn't really uh, suggest. Romantic topics. Yeah. They tend I mean, to go yeah. for mysteries or serial killers. Yeah, the. I mean, most stories end up having love in them. Like that's just a, a very. A, it's a just common, part of it's life. A, it's a bit of a trope, really. It's a but, part of life. Yeah, it's a part of life. You live, you laugh, you love. You lumber. You <laughs> lament. You know. I think five L's. You can add Johnny Cash to our list of people that you're disappointed to hear about their life. Roald yeah. Dahl. Charlie Chaplin. Though with Johnny Cash, I find him less surprising to be an asshole than Roald Dahl or Charlie Chaplin. Totally. Yes. 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 Um, I could be like, yeah, I can see that. He's yeah. like a bit of a crazy rocker. And it does feel like he did like find a lot of redemption beyond you know those those real fucked up years. But mm. and he, I mean, he wrote a lot of good songs. <laughs> 87 albums. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, and uh, and then he, like a, a couple have come out since he died oh, as well. Oh, shit. There was a Lost album that his son found that was released and went to number one in the charts, oh, the mainstream it charts. That's insane. Really cool. Obviously a pretty cool story regardless of how we feel about him. Do we credit who suggested this topic? Uh, we didn't mention that, but uh, it was a couple of people suggested him, including 
Let's go with a great name. Jordan Quasi. Almost Quasi. definitely not how you pronounce it. Q-U-A-Z-I. Quasi. Quasi. Quasi Jordan. He's from Hertfordshire in England. Hertfordshire. Thank you, Jordan. Hertfordshire. And also um, Andrew Cox. No comment. Uh, from Knoxville. <laughs> Andrew Cox from Knoxville. Knoxville, Knoxville, home of the Wig Sphere. <laughs> One of my favourite favorite things. Comes up a bit, the Knoxville, Wig Sphere. Tennessee, it certainly does. Uh, thanks so much to those guys that suggested that. If you want to suggest a topic, you can do that at any time. There is a link in the description of this episode. It says, submit topic idea. You click on that, fill out a little form, tell us why we should do the, the topic and what kind of topic it is, and we may well do that as our next episode. We may well. We may well. We may badly. Yeah, we may do it. We, we may do it badly. We, we may do it badly. And of course, if you want to uh, support the show, if you listen every week, you have a good time with us. You want to keep the show going. You have can, a good time. Hey, hey, hey! Let us know by giving us Johnny Cash at <laughs> patreoncom slash pod. We accept condoms or cash yeah, we'll as donations. Johnny condom. Do we? Yeah. Is that a, pa- is that a button that, on Patreon? Have you push? seen that big jar of condoms in your office? What do you think that was? An art piece? Yeah. It is. It's pretty artistic. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, if you pledge to our Patreon monthly, uh, you get stuff in exchange, like a bonus episode once a month. We do video chats and Matt does like a little newslettery thing. You get access to tickets to live shows before anyone else and you get a shout out on the show. We'd like to shout out and say thanks to a couple of our Patreon people right here, right now, Matt. Who would you like to thank for giving I'd love us if I could, from, Johnny Cash? From Acton, Massachusetts. <laughs> so convincing and then you lost it. I don't know that what? it was convincing in the first place. Massachusetts. Had, it, Mass, Massachusetts. Matt? Boston, Mass, that's what I said. Boston, Massachusetts. From <laughs> You're adding road trip. some teas in there. Uh, not right. Yeah, I'm not doing that right. Jake Bartlett. Jake Bartlett. We normally do a thing. Are we doing a thing with this? Yeah, we definitely should. It, so maybe they're a man in a colour? No, we've done too many colours. What about if we do... Uh, Johnny Cash did a, um, a li- an album live from prison. Where would Jake do his album? Uh, oh, great. I think Jake Bartlett would do his album live from the swimming centre. Oh. Yes. In the water. Yeah. <laughs> underwater or just on top? Un- underwater. I going to say, terrible acoustics above ground in the swimming center. You know how it's always echoey in there. Yeah. Yeah. Even worse below, but good on you, Jake. I no, no, he's got the technology. Yeah. We have the technology. Oh, famous. Oh, that's a great custard album. We have the technology. Is that what you're, is that what you're referencing there? No, I think I was referencing the $6 million man. Great. Maybe that's all they were referencing. Yeah, I think so. I did not realize that. Um. <laughs> And I'd also love to thank, if I can, is this okay with you guys? Please. Cameron Hidalgo from La Mesa, California. Wow. I don't think I, I think I said Cameron right there. The rest I sort of <laughs> fell away. But Cameron Hidalgo from La Mesa, California. Okay. And Cameron would do his album live from Starbucks. Oh, oh wow. Coffee lover. Yeah. Chain coffee lover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Corporate sellout. <laughs> I've I've had I've I've had a Starbucks uh, in America, oh. which is where they're from, I believe. We have them here. Yeah, too. I think they're from Seattle. Are they really? I believe so. So it's Fraser Crane. 
Uh, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Oh my. <laughs> What is a boy to do? <laughs> maybe yeah. I was being a bit confused. Well, maybe. If you But order I a... got you pegged. Ha! <laughs> 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 you... I don't know what to do. The toss salad and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. again. Dun, dun, Good night, dun. Seattle. We love you. Is that the song that? That um, hard. Is that the song that Mr. Hidalgo is performing at Starbucks? Yeah, that's what he's doing. Yes, he's on doing repeat. A cover. You, yeah, and people did seem a bit confused, but maybe he had them pegged. <laughs> May I thank some people? Please, Jess. I would like. It to sounded thank... more desperate than I wanted. Please, it to Jess. <laughs> Please. I would like to thank um, a local lad from New South Wales, NSW, Jake Went. Ah, Jake went. Thank you, Jake. And where would Jake do his live album where from? Where would he go? Jake went live from a pet shop. Oh, oh yeah, I was. I actually thought I was about to say on horseback <laughs> in the pet shop. Yeah, he's just riding. It's a big. It's a I'm, warehouse. I'm picturing pet him though. He's somehow he's mucked up. He's backwards, right? <laughs> so he's singing off the back of the horses as the crowd follows him around <laughs> in a circle. Wow, what an experience. Maybe strumming on a steel guitar oh. that he bought from Red Canoodle. Oh. <laughs> Canoodle's like, he's canoodling on his guitar. And is, does he look stressed? Like is he sort of panicking the horses out of control? No. No, Chill. he's in control. He's cool. Chill AF. <laughs> wow. Good, good on you, Jake. Went, oh, keep cool, riding Jake. the good ride. And uh, I'd also like to thank from Michigan, Eric Flynn. Very cool name. My uh, year, My high school... Sports team was Flynn. We were yellow. Oh, named after Eric? Er- no. Errol. Eric and Errol Flynn. Very similar names. Yes. Mm. Iconic so he, Australian actor. So he'll do his... Uh, from the Spirit of Tasmania. Live from the Spirit of Tasmania. Because Errol Flynn's famously from Tasmania. <laughs> and he was Tas- a swashbuckling actor, so obviously always on a ship. <laughs> yeah, I think we should definitely explain to our Michigan listener that the Spirit of Tasmania is a ship. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, It's you'd like, like a small... Cruise ship you can catch overnight from mainland Australia to Tasmania. I love the idea that you would think that's just conceptually he would do it live from the spirit of Tasmanians. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> maybe that is, maybe that is what he's where he's going to be. Eric Flynn. Very cool. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Eric. I would like to thank all the way from Dallas, Texas, ah. an airport that a couple of weeks ago I visited. So we were in the same vicinity. For a couple of hours, wow. though my uh, stop stopover was not enough, and I had to embarrassingly run through the terminal. Never done that before. Oh, I hate that. That's a and someone actively laughed at us. <laughs> they went, ha, ha, ha. Oh, I wanted to tell them to fuck off, but then I remembered I was in Texas, where they all have guns. So how big, strange! Big multi-gallon hats. Yeah. Honestly, there were people in the airport with big hats on. So and good. I was really loving it. So I, I would love to hats. come love to come back to Texas and experience it properly. But from Dallas, Texas, I would like to thank Monica Lopez. Monica. Oh, great name. Monica Lopez. It's a beautiful name, isn't it? Cracking name. Where would Monica do her her concert live from? Monica oh. Lopez live from Ohio. <laughs> live from Ohio. Yeah, wow. she's not from there, but she that's where she's doing her show from. That's Just what, in the center? In the in the center. She looks up the long longitude and latitude. Mm. She figures out the exact coordinates of the center of Ohio. That's our dream gig. What a lucky duck. Yeah. And then she performs there and it, it it goes off. I bet. I bet that would bring, I mean, even more tourism to Ohio. Then. Yeah. Then already, it, like the tourism industry will explode. Fuck, what a place. 
I do. Do you remember when I realized that Ohio is not that far from Gary? We can we we can go easily road trip between the two, and and also get to Pittsburgh. You still like you say that like you're convincing us. We're on board. Oh my God, we're doing it. We're doing it. I, I need because oh, I'm doing it either way, but it'll be more fun with you guys. I need to get a photo of you in front of a sign that says "Welcome to Gary." Oh I need God. that in my life. We all need that, Matt. We need this. I need it too. <laughs> One of, one of my uh, breweries that I frequent a lot up in Bright in the country has released a limited edition beer called Gary. No. That is... That's the uh, sick beer idea alarm. <laughs> that... Does it have anything to do with... It goes off every time Matt mentions beer. <laughs> you have a problem. <laughs> Stop abusing beer. Get out of here, beer. Dave, do you have someone else to thank? I got one last person. This person is listening. Oh, I imagine they're listening from their house in Bavaria, Germany. Where that is exactly where Johnny Cash was uh, stationed. Yeah. Stationed, listening into the Soviet communicator. Very cool. And I can only imagine that uh, this person is listening into the Soviet communicator still. <laughs> Moritz Remuta or Remuta. Oh, my God. Moritz, M-O-R. And I think that Moritz is live from a beer house Ah. because Moritz is the name of uh, a great beer from uh, Barcelona. Bavaria is a a beer mecca as well. So put those together. Moritz, live from the beer house. The beer house. Maybe the the Lohenbrau beer house. At Oktoberfest, the Lohenbrau, or I'm sure it's pronounced totally like Lovenbrew or something, but the tent there has, or at least it did years ago when I was there, had a big mechanical roaring lion, which I think every hour would roar. <laughs> so good. Awesome. That's so cool. I know. <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, it's very cool that we can thank people from Dallas and then go to Bavaria, Germany, and that these people are supporting the show. Thank you so much. It's really mind blowing. Amazing. I don't, I'm, I don't say this lightly. You are fucking legends. You. And make me being up till four thirty a.m. today feel worth it. Slightly yeah. worth it. We- no, I did I, like I really did get deep, and I was listening to back catalog Johnny Cash as I went as well. I almost gave it away to you guys as I walked in, and I was kept accidentally singing Johnny Cash. You know, I'm I'm so paranoid about giving away <laughs> topics. I'm like, <gasps> I said, we gum. What have you been up to, Jess? Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Nice to see you. <laughs> You're buying stuff. Will that be cash or card? Shut up! <laughs> Shut the fuck up! <laughs> they'll know. They'll know. <laughs> Even though Matt's because Johnny Cash, he was a real card. <laughs> It's a real card about town. All right, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for uh, everyone for listening. Get in contact at any time through email, dogoonpod at gmail.com and the social medias at dogoonpod. Uh, thanks so much for listening. As we always say here on the show, yes. bloody sucker fuck, you fucking ducks. No, I don't say that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to save it and say... <laughs> so tired. <laughs> Goodbye. Later. Bye. Sucker fuck, <laughs> you duck. fucking duck. Quack, quack. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
It's not optional. You have to do it. <laughs> we used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. Yeah.